He says, I keep pleading that somehow by God's will, uh, I may now at least be prospered and come to you. For I am yearning to see you, that I may impart and share with you some spiritual gift to strengthen and establish you. That is, that we may be mutually strengthened and encouraged and comforted by each other's faith, both yours and mine. And that's uh, just a powerful scripture. I love that scripture for some reason. But uh, Pastor Sam Manika is uh, here this morning with us. He's uh, Pastor Noah's brother, for y'all who know Pastor Noah. Pastor Sam lives in Zimbabwe, and he is the man who invited us to come over in August to visit him and his conference. He has a ministry called Destiny. Uh, he's the he's the the apostle over uh, a fellowship of churches called Living Word Churches in Zimbabwe. He's he's a really a powerful guy, Pastor Sam is, and uh, so we are really uh, are blessed. He's a a, a well hidden secret. If if uh, a lot of people knew about Pastor Sam, you know, a lot of more affluent churches and more prominent churches, they would try to steal him away from us. <laughs> But we're, we're, I have a deal with uh, Pastor Noah, his brother, who lives in Charlotte, that anytime Pastor Sam comes to, to, sh- to uh, visit with Pastor Noah, that he automatically has to come to our church. <laughs> so so we, may, we really force that. Well, I love this guy. He is a tremendous guy. He is very, uh, you know, I'm just going to laud you a little bit. You know, you know what laud means, don't you? you know, he, uh, every time he prays for me, Something happens in my life spiritually. Now, I will say this. Sometimes it's not a good thing. <laughs> in other words, sometimes I start feeling like the Lord's messing with me for some reason. You know what I'm saying? A couple of weeks later, I realize, you know, God is really dealing with me. What happened in my life for God to start dealing with me? And I, every time I trace it back to when Pastor Sam prayed for me. <laughs> uh, but, it, you know, when God deals with you, that is really a blessed thing, isn't it? You know, for God to do it. But He is... He, it really has been true in every case. When he's prayed for me, uh, at the moment, nothing. It may have been one time he prayed for me, and he just went he went crazy praying for me. I couldn't believe how wild he was. But I was standing feeling like, man, I, I felt like an idiot, really. That's the way I felt. Like, man, this guy, he's really praying for me, and this is really an honor. But you know what I'm saying? I just felt sort of stupid while he was doing it. But nothing happened other than at that moment I felt stupid, but... About a month later, I realized, something's going on in my life, Lord. <laughs> That's what you want. You want, when somebody prays for you, you may not have any kind, at that moment, know what happened to you. It may just like, oh, that was nothing. But I'll tell you what, when this guy prays for you, something happens in your life. It really does. And I really want to testify. We went over and seen his ministry you know, and it was part of the conference. Jim and Doug have been over there a couple of times and have seen, and that's the churches that we're trying to build in Zimbabwe. Is his churches, the buildings, and he's supplying the the leadership and the pastors they're training. So he's he's a great guy, and I'm really blessed that he's here. And he has to preach, and then he has to leave because he has to get to his dad who's in the Congo, who's a, sort of like a diplomat trying to help negotiate peace in the Congo, and I think somehow he needs to get to his dad real quickly. So let's give Pastor Sam a real warm North Carolina welcome. Thank you. 
Thank you. <clears throat> Kids, I'm sorry. I know you want to be dismissed. So let's let the, the children be dismissed. Lord, bless the children. Bless the teachers. Let them really um, get filled with the Holy Spirit back there. Wouldn't that be nice? Thank you. That's all right. <laughs> <clears throat> Good when people talk good about you, amen. <laughs> Sometimes you turn around, is he talking about me or the guy next? <laughs> but uh, it's good, it's encouraging, amen. I'm really happy to be here. I always get blessed when I come into this church yeah, because I feel the presence of God, and I really feel that this is a work that God began and uh, He's going to sustain it. And uh, there is good and solid leadership in here. And that's the place to be. Amen. That's the place to be. <clears throat> There's a leadership crisis in the world today. And I think there is a... Sometimes leaders are there, but people just don't realize that the leaders are there. Sometimes people run away from good leadership. I don't know what they'll be looking for, but I've seen a lot of that sort of thing where God provides good leadership, but people cannot handle good leadership sometimes because good leadership is going to confront things in your life and so forth, and uh, people don't like that. Amen. But I think it's good to be under somebody who fears God, who will tell you the truth and help you to become the man that God wants you to be or woman that God wants you to be. Amen. And, you know, it has always been God's pattern to to raise a man or men and uh, then bring in a core of people around that man to work with that man uh, to fulfill certain things that God wants done. But one thing I've discovered is that there is an anointing that will be provided to a man and that anointing can transform the people that God brings around that man. So, if you are in the right place, the anointing that God provides can transform your life. You'll find that even in the life of David. I mean, you, you read your Bible, you'll find this stuff in there. Because when David was running away from Saul and he went to that cave called, called Adulam, the Bible says all those men who were discontented in debt and so forth, all the wrecks in Israel, went out with him. But if you read at the time when David died, the Bible talks about these mighty men of valor, <laughs> you know. And it's the same people who hung around David and then that anointing worked in their lives and transformed them too and made them into mighty men of valor. Amen. And I've seen this even in my ministry. I've seen God bringing some characters into my life and into my ministry and two, three years down the road, you can't believe it's the same guys because they stuck around. And we went through a lot of things and sometimes the Lord tells you, I want you to talk to this guy about this and you don't even want to do it. I mean, because it's... It's hard, but you talk to the person and they, they ride it out, and later you know they are transformed into incredible people. So I, I, this business of running around looking for excitement and not being somewhere where people actually know you and help you and help you to deal with the things that are in your life, I think it's very dangerous stuff. God places us in family. God places the solitary in families and things begin to happen in their lives. Amen. So even 
even in terms of ministry, it's good to go to conferences. You get challenges there and stuff. But I think the biggest part of whatever God wants to do in your life happens in the local church. That's exactly where it's going to happen. I've never seen anybody whom God used who didn't come through a good local church. It doesn't happen. That would be a fake ministry. <laughs> a true ministry from God, somebody would have to rise up through a ministry like this one, and that is where God will transform them and deal with them and equip them, and then he releases them to do the things that he wants them to do. So I really, I really appreciate this church, and uh, I, I just would like to encourage everybody that you are in the right place. God has spoken to me very specifically about this ministry. And one of the things that he said was, <clears throat> you know, they, God is never caught off guard. It doesn't happen. You see, the reason why you have President Bush as the president is by God's design. It's simply because God knew that probably the last administration could not handle the crisis that has come up now. It, God is never caught off guard. And I know a lot of people looked at him really funny when he, was, he became president. And I mean, people, I think people just didn't know what he was capable of doing or not. But God knew what he was capable of doing. And people are pleasantly surprised right now because he's rising up to the occasion. You can't catch God off guard. It doesn't happen. And it's the same in the church. There are a lot of standby ministries right now in the world. A lot of standby ministries. And when I say standby ministries, I mean ministries which will be able to cope with what is coming onto the world in the coming years. And uh, I believe those are churches which are very centered on truth and churches with men whom God has trained, men with a testimony. And, and, and uh, what is going to happen now is that people will, and this is one, I believe this is one of those standby churches. You are going. I believe within the next three years, you are going to get the shocks of your lives. Because people are going to descend onto this church like you wouldn't believe it. Amen. Because this is a standby ministry. I believe this is a ministry that God has set aside to deal, to, 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 to deal with the issues that are going to be rising up in the next few years. Amen. And I, I have a witness. Every time I've come here, God has said that to me. Every time. And he has again said that to me today. A time is coming when it won't be running around looking for conferences. You need to be somewhere where God is going to speak to you, where God is going to direct you. And this is one of those places. Amen. Now, you watch that in the next three years. Watch that in the next three years. And it won't have anything to do with, uh, well, I know you are reaching out. You are doing outreaches and you are doing all sorts of stuff so that people come to the Lord and so forth. But that will be the Lord's doing. This is something that God is doing. And there are several standby ministries, and you can write that down. This is one of them. And it is, God is going to make people aware of that. He's going to make them aware of that. So you should be ready for that. Amen. You should be ready for that. So train leaders, do things, do stuff, prepare yourself, prepare to build a bigger church, whatever it is, that will, whatever it takes to handle whatever God is going to do. You should be ready for it, and you should do it should plan, enlarge your borders and whatever, because some good things are going to be happening. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> you know, after 20 years in ministry, I can, I can identify a work of God when I see one. One thing I love about this church is I don't have to wear a tie. 
I hate ties. <laughs> but you know, in, in, in Africa, you know, there's still this thing that the British left and, you know, everybody's going around in it. And if you're a pastor, you have to put on a tie, you know. And uh, I, I'll do anything to avoid wearing a tie. You know, buying this, I bought this shirt, it's called a Madiba shirt. It's, it's a good, good alternative to a tie and jacket in Africa, so. <laughs> Amen. That is good to be here. I just feel so liberated. <laughs> well, what I want to share with you today is not... I really appreciated uh, Pastor Byron, Pastor Jim coming with the team to Zimbabwe. I mean, we were greatly honored. And um, I hardly saw... <laughs> I hardly took part in the conference that we had there because for two days I was out with a cold because there had been so much going on there. But... We felt really honored. Pastor uh, Byron ministered and uh, touched people's lives, and it, it was really good. It was only after they had left and we were getting the feedback to what had happened that I realized that, uh, you know, God had been doing some powerful things there. And my mother's younger sister, we grew up together and we are very close. She's the last one in my mom's family. Her husband had died of AIDS, and she was going through the work. She had herpes and full-blown AIDS. And during that conference, she was ministered to. And a week later, she went for tests. No AIDS in her system. Completely healed. And so that, that was powerful. We, we've been getting testimony after testimony. I don't have a recollection of stuff that happened during the conference because everything was really crazy. But after the conference, you know, I've, all the feedback that has been coming in, it's, it's just been powerful. I, I think we need to have another conference soon. <laughs> It was good. So I really felt honored, the whole team that came to Zimbabwe, and what this ministry and church is trying to do with us in building churches. It's the first time we've done this thing, you know, and uh, a lot of stuff has been going on in our country. It's like riding a wild horse, I tell you, you know, because you... But I believe things are really calming down now. I believe next year things are going to be different, and we'll have a good grip on everything that is happening, and we are going to see some good things happening in terms of building churches. And I really appreciate everybody who has given to that program, and may God bless you for that. But what I want to share with you today is just uh, something that the Lord gave me, and we'll find that in the book of Isaiah. Uh, it's more of a testimony than anything else. Isaiah 54. <clears throat> You know what I shared before about being in the right place and how the anointing transforms you while you are in that place. You know, we have an elder in our church, a young man, very timid. The sort of person you think would never amount to anything. And I remember the first time I saw him, you know, those are the, those are the impressions that you get. This guy well, he works in a bank. You, you, don't, you, you don't believe you ever get promoted or anything. Very, very, very timid, lacking in confidence and so forth. But, you know, some powerful things have been happening in that young man's life. And just before I came here, I remember something that happened to him. He called me. He was in the bank, and uh, <clears throat> he works as a, an accounts clerk. And uh, he just happened to walk over to another uh, accounts clerk who was serving a customer. And uh, 
the, the, apparently this accounts clerk could not answer some of the questions that this person was, uh, was uh, directing at her. So uh, this young man from our church, the elder, kept, he, he would step in and answer the questions for this young lady. So finally the phone rang and the other accounts clerk had to go and attend to the phone. And uh, uh, this young man began to talk to, the, the elder began to talk to this man who was uh, who, who, this client. And this client said, well, uh, why don't you just save me since she, she's busy with the phone, you know, just attend to me. So I said, well, okay, what, what do you want? And they began to talk, and I think he wanted to open an account or something. He indicated that he wanted to open an account. Uh, then after he had served him, the man said, well, what's your name? May I have your phone number and name? And uh, he gave it to him. An hour later after this person had left, uh, our elder got a call from him. And he said, do you know that I'm the human resources manager of a new bank which is coming into this town? And uh, what happened there was I was simply looking for a manager. <laughs> I, I, I was trying to recruit a manager in your bank, so I was checking how all the people in there serve customers. And I'm impressed with the way you served me. Can you come over for an interview? So he went over and he, and he was interviewed and they liked him and they called him over and told him we're going to give you this job. And they said, how much do you want? You know, and he told them what he expected. Then, uh, <laughs> then they said, well, we're going to give you that. But when he went back to work, he found that there was a letter there. His bank, which he was working for, which is Barclays Bank, an international bank, it actually increased his salary uh, above what these other guys were offering him. So he went back to them and he said, well, I can't leave my job because, of, because you know, they, these guys are now offering me more than you are offering. And then they, they increased what they <laughs> offered him before to above what the bank had offered him, and they also offered him a company car. But I'll tell you how all this stuff came about. I really believe that's how it came about. This, this young man bought a car last year. And around that time, I didn't have a vehicle. My vehicle was giving problems. And every time when he heard that I needed to go somewhere and I didn't have a vehicle, he would send his vehicle with somebody else to me so that I could use it. And uh, I remember sometimes I would have that vehicle for stretch like three weeks and at times it would be raining, and I knew it was raining where he was. He would walk in the rain, going to work and stuff. And every time I got into that car, I prayed for that young man. And I just say, Lord, bless this young man. You know, do something in his life. Bless him. Raise him, you know. And every time, and this particular, on this particular week when he called me, I, I, I had this vehicle again. And uh, I said to myself, I want to go and talk to... One fellow I know who owns some of the biggest banks in Zimbabwe, they met him at, uh, at our conference. I said, I'm just going to tell this guy, you need to take this young man and give him a very good job, you know. At that particular time when I was thinking that, that's when the Lord was opening all these doors for him in Blue Whale. And now he's going to be uh, the, the first manager of that bank in the town where he lives. He's going to, he has two cars now. <laughs> and, and they told him they are going to pay every debt that he has. They're going to clear everything that he owes before he leaves that bank. And he's starting on the 3rd of December. Now, this is, you get transformed by the anointing of the place where you are. You stay in your place, serve God in the best way that you know how. You get transformed. Things happen to you. Amen. Things happen to you. And he's not the only one. There are many people. If you come to Zimbabwe, I can tell you stories about every different person in the church. I mean, and where they are now and where they were when they first came into the ministry. 
So it is very important to know where we are and why God placed us there. Because, you know, some people are in the habit. Do you know that when God spoke to Elijah, he said, Go to the brook Cherith, and I'm going to command my ravens to feed you there. There is a place where God has appointed for you to be ministered to. It's not just every place. There is a place. Now, if, if Elijah decided to go to some other place which was not the brook Cherith, he was not going to get what God had for him. Uh, we had one lady, and this is, this is really a funny, funny story. This young girl, she was a problem. And I, I kept getting her places to stay. She was an orphan, you know, getting places for her to stay. And then finally I sent her to a certain pastor in Blue Air to stay there. And she was a problem there. Then she came to see me at my office. She said, I can't stay with this pastor. You know, the, the pastor's wife doesn't like me. The pastor doesn't like me, and she's carrying on. So finally, I just looked at her, and I said, look, I've done everything I can for you. I can't do anymore. I think now you just find a place for yourself. I don't think I want to be involved in your life. I can't do anymore. But I'll tell you, what had happened was when she left the pastor's house, the day she left, a young man came to the pastor's house, and he says, you know, I really like this girl. And I want to marry her. And ever since she came into Blue Air, I've been saving money to get married to her. And I have $15,000 in my account now. I want to get married to this girl. And she didn't know about it. And now she is in Gweru. She has run away from the place where God wanted her to be. And she's missing out on this blessing. I mean, this girl is an orphan. She needs somebody in her life. And she was at that age when, I mean, she, she could easily get married. Now, the funny thing is, she came to my office and I, I said to her, look, just find a place to stay for yourself. You know, I don't want to be involved in your life. And she went away. The following day, after I got, I got this call about this young man after she had left. Then the following day, she passed through my office. She was going somewhere. And I said, do you know that there's a young man in Blue Way who, want, who actually was serving to get married to you? And she's like, what? And I said, yeah, he's there in Blue Way. So you have missed all that because you, you, you just don't hear the voice of God, you know. I said, oh, that's terrible. And she left my office, and I thought she was going wherever it is she was going, but she actually went to the bus stop and went straight back to Blue Whale. <laughs> and now she's married to this young man, and she's really happy, you know. <laughs> but you have to be where God wants you to be. A lot of people, you know, blessings just drop the moment they leave to go to some other place. You have to define change. Change has to be defined. Not all the time that you feel like a change do you need to have change. I mean, if it was like that, we would all be divorced. There are many times when we really feel like a change from the people we live with. Isn't that true? But does that mean that it has to happen that way? Sometimes we have to be where we have to be, regardless of whether things are not really going right at that particular moment. I think a lot of believers don't define change. You know, it's like whenever you feel like it, then have it. If I don't like this church, if I don't like the way the worship is going, maybe it's just a phase. If I don't like the way the Bible study is going, or if I don't like the way this is happening, then I need a change. Oh, there's this other church in town. Oh, boy, it's exciting and so forth. You go there and everything will change again. I think it's very important to define things like change. We need to be at places where God places us so that we are transformed. Amen. Yeah, when, when, the Lord, uh, when I got saved... The Lord told me about the ministry that I'm pastoring now. But, you know, when I got saved, I was alone. Nobody preached to me. I, uh, my parents were saved, but I just, one day I just decided to go in. I was tired of life. I had a prophecy over my life 
somebody told me that they had seen a vision of me with a knife sticking out of my back and I was being carried into the ambulance. I was a very violent person, you know, and uh, so the, 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 this person just, she was a lawyer who lived in one of the rooms at my parents' house. She just walked up to me one day and said, look, I saw a vision of you. You had a knife sticking in your back and you were being carried into an ambulance. And I thought she was crazy. But about two, three days later, another guy came, said exactly the same thing. Then about a week later, I'm just all dressed up to go with my friends. And this same lady, she, she tells my mother to ask me to come into a prayer meeting which they were having in that room. And, you know, my mother was on me, and I thought, let, let me just go in there to get rid of my mother. And I went into that room, and the prayer started. Right in the middle of the prayer, this guy walks in. He was called Timothy. I didn't know him then. He walks in, and uh, he stood up after the singing was done, and he just turned to me and says, Young man, what's your name? I told him my name. He said, God has just shown me a vision of you with a knife sticking out of your back, being carried into an ambulance. Don't go out with your friends anymore. And that got my attention. <laughs> So that, that's basically how the whole process of salvation started in my life. So I just stopped going out with my friends, but I, I didn't get saved. I didn't receive Jesus. It's just like, oh, I don't think I should be mixing with those guys. And a week later, my friends got beat up so bad. Uh, I mean, and my policy was you don't run away from a fight. So obviously I was going to die there, you know, because I never used to run away from a fight. I believed you have to fight it out, you know. So I knew God had delivered me from death, but I didn't get saved. Just stopped going out with the guys, stopped drinking and stuff, but I didn't even understand what salvation was. But two months down the road, and that was in 1976, I just woke up one day and I was so frustrated with life. I was not drinking anymore. I was not going, hanging out with my friends anymore. I, I was just not doing, I didn't have a girlfriend, I, nothing. I don't think this is, the, this is what God wants for me. There must be something more to life than this. And I'd seen my mother fasting sometimes, so I said to myself, let me fast like my mother does. Just go out into the bush, pray, and ask God to reveal himself to me. So I did that three times that day. I went into the bush. I didn't know how to pray, but I would just say, God, if you are real, reveal yourself to me. And I went back in the afternoon into the bush. My dad was best at a mission school in the rural areas, and there was a lot of bush around. I went back into the bush in the afternoon, went back around 5 in the evening, and I just had this strange feeling that God was going to speak to me that day. And I went to bed very early, about 6.30 I was in bed waiting for God to speak to me. 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12, God didn't speak. Then I fell asleep, very disappointed. But around 3 in the morning, I remember I had a nightmare, then I, I woke up, and after I had woken up, I was fully awake, lying on the bed. I had bells ringing in the room. I mean, the sound of bells, celebration filled the whole room. And... I'm like, what's going on here? Then a tingling started at the bottom of my feet, and it kept rising and rising and rising and rising. And I knew it wasn't a nightmare. I was fully aware, and it was so pleasant until it filled my whole body. And I heard a voice speaking to me. It spoke seven times. Said, I have a love for you. I have a love for you. I have a love for you. And you know, when, whenever that voice spoke, it was like a knife cutting through my body and cutting all the bad habits and stuff. I mean, it was powerful. I had never experienced anything like that. And then when the voice, and all the time I just knew, this is Jesus. Nobody told me, but I, this is Jesus speaking. You know, I have a love for you. I have a love for you. You know, then finally, he began to tell me about my life, about my ministry and everything. 
And then after that, the bell started ringing again, and there was celebration in that room. Then silence. That's when I got terrified. Now I jumped out of bed, ran to my parents' bed, there's somebody in my room, you know. <laughs> my, my, my dad came into my bedroom and said, no, don't be afraid, you know, let's pray. He prayed. He said, next time you hear that voice again, just listen to what the voice is saying, you know. Good. But it was powerful. After that, I, I remember when somebody walked up to me and they wanted to say something to me, I would just know what they wanted to say and I would answer them before they opened their mouth. I mean, there was pandemonium in, in the house. I remember my dad walked into the house and he wanted to ask me, is there anything in the, anybody in the bathroom? And he walked in and I said, there's nobody in the bathroom you can go in before he asked me. You know, it's like, what? <laughs> but I just knew things. You know, I would look at a person and I would just know what they are going to say before they even opened their mouths. It was really powerful. But anyway, because I, I didn't know any pastor or anybody who could help me with this new experience, the Lord led me to the Assemblies of God Church, uh, which was pastored by a certain man called Ezekiel Guti. And the Lord told me, don't leave this church until I tell you to. And I was in that ministry for seven years, knowing what God was going to do with my life. But for seven years... I was in that ministry, and I told myself, I'll never leave until the Lord tells me to leave. And finally, in the seventh year, the Lord told me to leave. He says, it's time to move. And I tell you, when I moved, everything was in place, prepared for me. Everything was in place. That's when we started the ministry that is there right now. And I moved into town. Some people were moving out of an office, which was perfectly ideal for what we wanted to do. I moved into that office. And all sorts of things just happened to show that God had prepared for my moving. And that's the way it should be. Amen. That's the way it should be. So God, this idea, I think it's pride when we, when we think. You know, we, we have a habit. The Lord was just reminding me recently because we are, what I'm sharing with you right now is like, we are a supernatural people. Our walk is supposed to be a supernatural walk. Sometimes we, 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 we act like we just decided to come here. Sometimes we think Pastor Byron just decided to be a pastor. He liked the idea of being a pastor. Sometimes we think Pastor Jim just liked being a pastor. Sometimes we think the elders that are here just, you know, it's fun to be an elder. We don't see God in things. We, we just see what we decided, what we liked, what we thought. But do you know what? As long as we don't see God in things, it affects our attitude towards those things.